FinTech Hunting is hosted by Michael Hammett, JD, CMT, keynote speaker, author, and founder and president of Next Level Advisors. Join Michael as he seeks out tech visionaries, leading lenders, trailblazing executives, and other financial influencers to bring you actionable insights and lead generation tactics, all centered around industry greatness and success. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of FinTech Hunting. You guys are in for a treat today. I have a very special guest, uh, an industry executive, insider, has been in the industry for a while, knows a ton about FinTech and technology, but more importantly than anything, one of the good people in the industry. When you run into her at a conference, she puts a smile on your face and you always leave feeling better about yourself. I can't wait to share with you guys, Kelly Heimbaugh, Director of Sales Mortgage Builder Software. Well, good afternoon, Michael. Thank you for having me on today, and thank you for such a kind introduction. Oh, it is great to have you, Kelly. We've, we've known each other in the industry for a while. We've been on boards together, uh, so I can't be more excited to share you with the rest of our audience so they can find out how awesome you are. So as we get going, for the people that don't know you, I always like to start with, how did you get in the mortgage industry? No one just kind of wakes up and is in the mortgage industry. So tell me a little bit about your story. No, you don't, but um, there was a little bit of a natural transition, but prior to the mortgage industry, I spent almost 15 years working actually in the manufactured housing industry and factory built home business. And so um, certainly um, loved the process of helping people get into new homes. Um, I still think that's why I love this business. I still try to relate everything I do back to that bar where I call it getting the shiny keys. Everybody wants those keys or they want that lower payment on a refi. But a really good friend of, of, of my husband's actually worked in the uh, wholesale business and she asked me um, thought that i would be really good as a rep and this was prior obviously to in the in the early great mortgage days in the in the early 2000s so she asked me if i'd like to to try the mortgage industry so i joined um, a division of guarantee bank out of milwaukee called gb home equity and started in sales but uh, moved into a sales manager position and managed all of their um, wholesale and correspondent business for the Western region for a number of years. And then I moved into the tech space purely by the accident or the chaos caused by the crash in 2007. Um, I got an opportunity to join um, a small loan origination system company that I'd gotten acquainted to through a few clients. And just about the time of the mortgage crash, my boss at Guarantee Bank said, you should go take that job because there's going to be a lot of out-of-work account executives, and that was in 2007. So that's how I accidentally fell into the tech side of this business, and I've never looked back. I've loved every minute of it. Uh, that is fantastic, and we are so glad you're on this side of the fence. So you mentioned sales, and I think it's important to bring up for our listeners, we're all dealing with COVID-19. I mentioned right at the start how great it always is to see you. You're, you're an outgoing, gregarious person at these events. How has selling changed now that COVID's here? We don't have these personal face-to-face -face events and a way to meet together. How has selling changed and what are you doing to adapt? 
Um, well, a number of things, but I think still trying, still working very hard to continue what I always did. You know, every conference that we've missed, I think there was four so far that I was potentially set up to go to. I really tried to go back through the through those through those lists and the contacts from the years before and some of the normal meetings I would set up. I've just really tried to stay close, both from a vendor standpoint side. Um, as you know, I rejoined Mortgage Builder in January of this year, um, and it was actually literally six weeks before COVID took place. So I was actually really in the process of getting reacquainted with, you know, many of the long-term Mortgage Builder clients that we have. In fact, clients that weren't with Mortgage Builder anywhere, when they saw that I came back, they reached out to me. So um, I think I've been in a little bit of a different circumstance um, to, to really come back but it still does not take place of all those great hugs that I'm missing out on. So, um, but I'm working very hard at it. Well, it, and it is an adjustment. I, I was talking to someone the other day and I, I've been very blessed to be on a number of webinars and conferences and podcasts, but all of that interaction at a conference in between a session, in between a meeting, going out to dinner, those casual conversations to really build relationships, Yes. Those yes. just aren't there. And it's really hard. You know, people are more receptive to a Zoom or a go to meeting, but it's still not the same. So I know what you mean, you know, from that perspective. Do you find that as you reach out to lenders, they're more receptive to vendors' calls now because of COVID? Are they super busy because of the refi activity? What are you finding there of a way to get through to them? I think the answer to that is yes. I, you know, when you come from a sales perspective, you know how many doors we knock on that don't get answered or, you know, you get ignored. Um, but I would say that I'm certainly getting the responses, but then on the other side of it, I'm getting the response, really would love to talk, just too busy. I mean, I guess what I would say is that um, the fact I'm getting the response is great, but I'm really glad to hear that people are too busy. You know, I think this potentially when we looked at this at the beginning of March as this being an absolutely scary time that it could shut down the mortgage industry or keep people make people afraid to to get into lending uh getting a new loan on their home you know the refinance business is good so I think we should all be extremely um, happy and fortunate that our lenders have been as busy as they have and then we just have to adjust at lenders I, I, but we've been working on a lot behind the scenes is that people do come up for air we want to have good answers for them and that is you know if we wanted to make a technology change then how do we do it remotely we know we can't travel um how can we make that happen and so we've been really working hard on that aspect of um of remote implementations and and to be honest with you with everybody being so busy how can we take some of that heavy lifting away and i think we're making some great strides so i think it's it's made us refocus that You faded out for one second there, Kelly. But I think you made two very interesting points. The fact that, you know, how do you get people onboarded remotely yeah. is absolutely critical. And I've spoken to a, a ton of technology providers on the show, and you're the first one who's brought that point up, which is a great point because even if you guys were willing to travel somewhere, most of these organizations have rules in place. They're not accepting any visitors, they don't want you. But they need a lot of the technology that is out there. Uh, I, think, 
The other thing that's happened with COVID is it's shown a lot of gaps and a lot of bottlenecks within their systems. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the other thing that, you know, there's people, they probably knew how to spell virtual, but now they're living virtually and it is an adjustment. But I think people are making the adjustment um, pretty well. I mean, I've talked to some lenders who have, um, have basically said, we think that we can continue this. They may not, they may not let people stay home full time all the time, but they re realize the benefit that people um, without having to maybe have an hour commute at the beginning or the end of their day, um, that that's, you know, that's adding to the work effort. Um, I've, and it may, you know, just from the cost of brick and mortar for some of those states that can get away with not having to have it. So I think everybody is rethinking it to some degree. But we're we're learning through, um, especially an implementation that that we signed up just recently, um, that because they're working at home, they're able to kind of really adjust to their sort of their homework schedules outside of their their regular job. And then and then, like I said, we've also been able to adjust internally. We haven't had to have as many people on the road, and we've had a lot of people on our teams that have said, well, let's do some of the heavy lifting. So that when they can get back to their homework, it's really more about reviewing our work and and testing it rather than having to do a lot of the data entry. So I think well, there's I think there's a lot great, of positive change. That's another great point of you know being able to do some of the heavy lifting for the lenders and letting their team when they have the time they can look at it, they can kind of check, double check, review things. But you guys are doing that heavy lifting. I'd love to hear that, and those are great insights. Before we talk a little bit more tech, we were talking conferences. Do you see conferences coming back this year? At least not, in a face-to-face -face personal setting? I, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't. I think from the mortgage industry perspective, I don't think we all can help ourselves. I think it'd be really difficult to social distance just knowing, knowing the audience so well, but, um, and I, I would probably be the worst offender of it. I, you know, my concern is, is that um, and what I've heard from some of the smaller conferences is that do they really want to take on that liability? I think there's obviously some things that are happening right now, um, you know, in and around that people are putting a foot in the water about getting crowds. You know, I live in Arizona and our cases are, have completely doubled in the last month. I mean, we're seeing two to 3,000 new cases a day. Um, I just don't know. I, I would love to say that uh, NBA annual would be the place where we could all come back together, but from a liability perspective. Um, and then, you know, we all have loved ones and people that we care about that may be in the later stages of life that, you know, we're trying to protect as well. I, I, I don't know the answer to it, Michael. I guess part of me is if some of it, until there's a vaccine, I don't know how securely we can all do it. So we'll just, I think we have to really continue to think that we will have to work this way for a while. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think, you know, I've seen some of the early surveys of, would you be excited if conferences started back up? Well, the obvious answer is all of us, yes. I mean, we're outgoing. We want to see all of our friends, our colleagues. I mean, we've been in this industry 20, 30 years. I mean, there's so many yeah. people we want to see. But then when you ask the question, would you fly? Are you worried about bringing something home to elderly parents or people with you know, compromised immune systems? Would you get in a cab? Would you get in an Uber? Do you want to stay in a hotel? Then I think it's a totally different game. So I think 
there's going to be a lot of wait and see. I just saw today that the digital mortgage conference uh, is going to be completely virtual in September, which is usually in Vegas. That's a big conference that a lot of people attend. So I yep. think it's going to be wait and see what happens from that perspective. All right. So let's talk tech. Part of yeah. the reason we go to these conferences is we get to talk tech. We get to have roundtables. What are some of the things you're seeing or what are some of the things that lenders are really looking for from a tech perspective in this COVID environment? Well, I think that, and, and you know, as I mentioned, coming back into the LOS space and actually coming back to my old home here at Mortgage Builder after being away for three years and Mortgage Builder's, you know, a different company under new ownership, but we're, you know, we're still tried and true and, and what we've always done in the loan origination space. And I think what I'm, as I'm engaging with lenders, I'm, I'm really hearing that they want, yes, they want the, they want tech, but they also want expertise. And one of the things that, you know, I've noticed, especially over the last year or two and in, in traveling and talking to lenders, but now being back in this space, they're so interested in tech, but it's absolutely so confusing. What from two perspectives, one, that there's, there's a lot of overlap between what different technologies do that they're trying to complement the LOS, but they overlap each other and they overlap with the, the loan origination system. And then the, the next piece is I'm really saying that people have SaaS fatigue. They're really getting transaction-based fee fatigue. They're like, okay, I add on a number, another fee, but am I paying for something twice? And I, I think I wrote about this um, recently or, or talked to Tony about it at Progress and Lending was that, you know, I think that we as, as vendors, we have to really look at how our integrations as we work together, not necessarily look to displace each other, but how can we come together and use the portions of our software that complement each other and price it accordingly for the lender. And we've been able to do that with it. We're doing that right now with a couple of our partners that we're really drilling into where that overlap is. And then how can we simplify that both from a cost perspective and from a functionality perspective? Because at the end of the day, we want, we want trust and, and we want that piece there. And what we're finding with that is that if we can show that, we can actually get, you know, longer contracts and then lenders don't have to worry about finding multiple vendors or they don't have to worry about vendor, you know, crossover vendor management, you know, those two and three year contracts just constantly overlapping. So uh, that's one of the things that I'm hearing a lot is help me simplify this. Well, I love that phrase transaction fatigue. I mean, I, I, I'm sure my listeners are, are taking some notes right now and they'll remember that one because everyone's feeling that. And as I talk to lenders on this show and I talk to lenders as I'm doing coaching and other things, I think the other thing that I hear from almost every one of those is it's got to fit in our current tech stack. Yeah. It could be the coolest, the shiniest thing, but if it doesn't fit into our tech stack, I don't have the time, I don't have the resources. So as a vendor, how do you demonstrate, how do you convince early on lenders that your technology is going to fit into their tech stack? Well, and, and, and that's, a, that's, that's, that is somewhat of the approach, but I think part of it is, number one, you have to really understand that the tech stack that they have. You can't be afraid to ask those hard questions. And when I talk to a lender, I always say to them, all right, I'm going to ask you some hard questions. 
And even if it's just a roundabout answer that you feel like comfortable giving me, but at the end of the day, in order to help them find the right solution, as vendors, we have to really, we have to build a solution for them. And we have to be willing to say, you know, that it this may not be the right choice because a failed client is the worst thing in the world that you can have. So I think we're working even harder um, on, you know, on the on that discovery and pre-discovery phase to really learn what they have, talk with their team members, and just doing a lot more of a, of a deep dive, really understanding what is it at the end that they're really trying to get to. Sometimes we find what they really want is, uh, achievable maybe in a completely different way. So um, I think really it's uh, it's listening to what they want and then figuring out how to put the solution to work to make that happen. Well, as you said, I think that discovery phase is so critical and it's one that a lot of people almost try to bypass. People that are just trying to sell or hawk their solution yeah. really miss the boat. And, and when you talked about discovery and finding their needs and the last thing you want is to shove a square peg into a round hole if, if right. it's not a good fit you don't want them as a client and you're not going to be able to serve them and then everybody loses out which is quite refreshing because i think some vendors are under so much pressure i just got to hit numbers i just got to hit numbers that they really don't take the time to understand and it goes back to your point earlier that they don't just want tech but they want expertise they do they do and you know, they you you can certainly win the battle and win the contract, but you don't always win the war by getting the long-term client from from taking those kinds of approaches. So that's um, that's what we've that. And when I say we, you know, at, at Mortgage Builder, and then just a, a lot of you know my industry friends, just like yourself, that have, have been around this business a long time. Um, you know, it's not a demo to win game, and sometimes too. Um, lenders are so caught in the battle that, you know, one of the things that we also have to work from is really trying to find that undiscovered need where the software can make an improvement. So by not just listening to the person that's making that decision or somebody who was the initiator to line up the demos, being able to really get an understanding that if we can talk to a number of people, we may actually hear something that you're not hearing because everybody's so busy, and especially now because they may be detached from each other and not working in an office environment. And that may have presented a whole new set of things that need to be solved. So that's kind of what our approach is doing. And then through that, we find some of those undiscovered needs that when we come back to present what we think the solution would be, there's additional benefit to, to continuing the process. Now, do you normally do that in a questionnaire? Is it through the, the conversation that you have with them online? You know, are they receptive to answering the questions if you sent them? Walk me through, because I think a lot of our listeners don't get this part right. So give me a high level view of, you know, how to do discovery correctly. Well, you know, I think, uh, first of all, I mean, the number one question when somebody um, when somebody comes back to you or presents an interest in your product or you dial out to find them, you know, find out how they heard about your company, because that can tell you a lot about, you know, how you're going to approach that client. If they just found you through a Google search rather than maybe they were recommended to you, maybe through a vendor partner friend, you know, those are obviously two different approaches on how you would pursue that. But typically you start it with a phone call and get some basic information and what systems they're on and, and who are the people involved in that. And then really, you know, be, and of course everybody wants to go straight to demo, but 
if you find out that on that initial discovery call, you don't have all the information you need, you have to really try to press and say, I'd like to, for you to bring in a couple of more people because again, it's not just a standard demo to win, it's a demo that's going to, to fit the audience that you're gonna get in front of. So um, I think the next step to that is to learn as much as you possibly can and then really be willing to adapt the initial demonstration and really keep that at a high overview and then really take that into a much deeper demo. And, you know, that, that is tough remote. You know, historically, I used to getting on a plane and saying, great, looks like this could be a good fit. We want to come spend a day or a day and a half in your office and we can't do that now. So we've actually now laid out a remote demo agenda that runs for a period of typically an hour and 45 minutes in multiple different segments, just depending on whether they're just looking for origination and or servicing solution. Excellent feedback. I know our listeners are taking down a, a ton of notes and you've shared great uh, information, especially from that discovery, because I think a lot of companies get that wrong and lenders are going to benefit from vendors doing the discovery correctly and then finding the right solution that meets their specific needs. When we talk about, you know, lenders looking for, they're super busy, what are some of the things they should do as a due diligence or what are some of the things they should be asking vendors so that they can kind of sift through and find those good fits and not just rush to buy the shiny object and then realize it's a bad fit? Any best practices in due diligence? Well, I think a lender, um, it's it's always pretty easy to target all the things that we don't like. I think one of the things that's really important questions I'd ask is what is it that you do like about your solution or parts of the different solutions that you're using today? Is this a vendor that that you like and you you definitely want to keep it because of the relationship or the service, or you are you would you you actually would lean more towards keeping it, but you'd be willing to make that change, or you completely want to eliminate that? So I think you have to really go through and see um, what they have today that they really like. I think that that's another important um, component of that. And then I think the other thing from a technology standpoint, you really have to really um, evaluate technology that's going to work together. So technology that is, you know, that's going to be be able to be at least accessed over the web if not if it's not completely web based um, you know cloud hosting has become a pretty important um, piece of um, some evaluations especially when you have people working in different uh, time zones or different geographic areas you know and not all cloud hosting is the same you have to find out are you just getting priced for you know for just local cloud hosting or are you getting geo redundancy um, in terms of your disaster recovery. So, you know, I think you have to evaluate, those are some of the things that, how do they want it deployed? Um, is, do, is everything that they need to do be able to fit together web-based and have API connectivity? And are you gonna make sure that you're not gonna lose the things that you currently have today to replace, you know, to, to replace other things that are wrong? What's some of the, the hot technology that people are looking at or where do you see things going through the rest of this year, next year? You know, I've been hearing a lot about chatbots and being able to combine AI so that they have better internal processes. And what are some of the things that you're hearing that, that lenders are talking about or kind of asking about to see how it would fit into their solutions? Um, a lot, you know, there in terms of, I think, again, because of the remoteness, um, but, you know, even even before, but especially now, 
Um, you know, people want um, interactive reporting. Um, they don't want static reporting anymore. So they, they want to see live reporting. Um, they they, they want to be instantaneous. It's just the like the instant gratification that we get with Facebook and instant messenger and, and texting and all the things. Um, and then to add to that, uh, people also are looking for better communication routes. People, um, they don't like being covered up with email. So they're looking for, you know, can I get the text message? Can I control what kind of messaging that I can get today? Um, so those are some of the things that I see, you know, the, the next thing, and I think that is really going to get bumped up with COVID and the way things are going to be is definitely going to be e-closings. I don't think there could have any, that anything would have arrived at a better time to really get its catapult than, than e-closings will be. Well, I agree with that. I think people realize they have to have remote solutions for e-closings. And we've joked about this before, but you could take an article from 10 years ago that talked about the e-mortgage and now put in digital and it'd be the same damn article. I think that's finally changing. You know, people are coming up with contactless solutions. People are finding ways. And I think because of the current market conditions, lenders are now finally receptive and so is borrowers to this remote closing, to e-notarization, to these things, which may be you know, a godsend down the road of people saying, hey, that pushed the technology to where we really want it to be and we can do a lot more of these things in a more transparent and easier, more streamlined process. Kelly, as we start winding down, you've shared so many great insights. What else do, do you wanna tell our listeners? What are some of the things that they should be looking at, whether it's from a tech perspective, whether it's from what you're seeing in the industry with the refi boom and the purchase market, what would you like to share with our listeners as we start to wrap up? Well, I, you know, I, I see good things ahead as, you know, as, as, as I think um, Dr. Fauci said this morning, um, you know, in, in the hearing this morning, um, this will pass. And as we come back to what life is going to be after COVID, um, you know, I think that people that never ordered off of Amazon before um, will are going to get less out to the mall or out to, you know, the big box stores to go find things. And I think a lot of that is going to continue to happen with mortgages. I think that the purchase market um, is definitely going to improve. You know, I'm pretty excited about seeing some of the virtual open house stuff that's out there. And I think that's going to continue to get traction. Um, I think that people that are living in apartment buildings and condo complexes that have been shut in now, um, a couple of people that I've known that said, we're going to get out and find a way to buy a house next year. Uh, nobody wants to spend um, this type of pandemic again, all being locked up. So I have I have really exciting, um, I think, forward looking to what the purchase market is going to look like. And I think everything that we can do to support that, especially with uh, like CRM systems today that have a lot of additional tools. You know, if you're a servicer today and you're not looking at having a CRM system, um, you know, typically servers, servicers have seen, you know, 10 to 15 percent runoff per year in loans. But now that percentage is going up because of this heavy refi market. So if you're running an origination shop alongside of that, you definitely need a CRM that's going to be able to let you know that when they're coming in to make their payment, if they could click over, if they're starting to look at houses in the neighborhood, what they're worth, or if they're starting to maybe want to go out and do a search for, 
you know, instead of going to realtor.com, wouldn't you rather have that own home search yourself so that you would be able to know and be able to put a score on that potential borrower that might be considering doing a move so that if they are, you could then direct them to a real estate agent that's going to feed that back to your origination team so you don't lose that loan that you're servicing. So those are some of the things that I really see in the ecosystem of being able to manage mortgages and hold on to clients. Yeah, and I agree completely. I think the CRM or you want to call it engagement platforms or borrower intelligence platforms, pick the term, but I think having the alerts, the notifications when people are looking to make a different financial decision, and if you can keep in contact with them, I you know, I heard the statistic last week that what over the course of a lifetime, a lender is going to or a borrower is going to do seven to eleven loans. And I think yeah. for too long this industry has been transaction focused instead of relationship focused. So I'm hoping some of this tech and some of these platforms really help lenders focus on you know the individuals and building those relationships instead of just a transaction. I agree. You know, my husband and I, we moved back to Arizona from Michigan, which this time of year I desperately miss Michael. So I'm very jealous. Um, but I will say we bought a, a new house out here two years ago or, or a, a house that we bought and we've already refinanced it twice. So I have three mortgages on this house and I owned it two years as of July, will be two years, July 11th. So um, that just goes to show you how, um, you know, how much has changed in the market. So. Absolutely. Well, Kelly, you have shared a wealth of information. It is so great to be able to connect with you. What is the best way if people have more questions for you, if they would like to reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you? Oh, easily. They can reach me at Kelly, K-E-L-L-I dot Heimbaugh, H-I-M-E-B-A-U-G-H at mortgagebuilder.com. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. Feel free, please connect to me through your the, through the LinkedIn page. So, um, and I'm always available for a chat or a phone call or just um, share something with me about your business. I love to hear what people are doing. There's some pretty unique new best practices coming along. So I'm open to learning everything I can about it. Oh, Kelly, thank you so much. A big virtual hug until we oh, can meet again yes. at another conference. Can't wait to see you in person. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have an outstanding day. All right. You too. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening. FinTech Hunting is brought to you by Next Level Advisors. Next Level Advisors, where businesses come to grow.